Dan. Yeah, what's up? Star Wars Episode One was a really good movie. You just keep thinking, Butch. That's what you're good at. <laughs> no, seriously. I personally think it was a good movie, and it was an enjoyable uh, ex- cinematic experience. If you take out the wooden acting, the terrible directing, the less than stellar writing, <laughs> sure. Okay, so this is going to be a fun discussion here because one of the reasons I'm glad Dan is helping me out with this is because, as I recall, episode one was not exactly one of your favorite movies. Well, and I wouldn't go so far as to say it's, I'm full of like rage hate like some oh, people. Oh, I didn't. And, and frankly, the... The, there were people who were giving that poor kid who played Anakin like a you know, living hell, the poor guy. You know, those people needed to get their asses handed to them. That, it's not his fault. Yeah, and that's one of the things I know is unfortunate is uh, how Jake Lloyd, yeah, he's he hates Star Wars because... He hates Star Wars because he used to get the crap kicked out of him. Well, I don't know if he had got beat up, but... Oh, he said oh. he got beat up in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I've heard that there are people, they come up to him and be like, you ruined Star Wars for me, which, I, come on, you know, okay, you don't have to like Star Wars Episode Oneers portrayal, but, come on, you don't blame someone, someone can't ruin an entire franchise for you, but that's just my opinion, so... George Lucas can. <laughs> that is true. So today's topic is going to be a show about the awesomeness that is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. No. <laughs> okay, no, so no, I disagree. You just you uh, you keep saying that word awesome. I don't think it means. What you <laughs> think it means. Awesome, 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 awesome. Well, uh, now you, some of you may remember uh, not too many episodes ago, episode uh, twenty-six, I think it was. I my the episode was called Star Wars Trailers, where I talked specifically about the trailers from Star Wars Episode 7, and my first impressions of those episodes and how, you know, what I felt, you know, did they leave a positive, negative impression on me. So, let's start this episode. Dan, have you seen both of the Star Wars Episode 7 trailers? I saw one that was, my God, really short teaser had the one with the the lightsaber with the crossbar that everybody flipped out about. What's your opinion on that? But the lightsaber with the yeah. crossbar? Doesn't bother me. I like it. I, I mean, I know I've seen people like, oh, it looks so stupid. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Those people are all butthurt about it already. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Yeah. It's a natural progression. You'd think that they were going to do that. It's like the light claymore. Yeah, and the thing I like about it is, I mean, you notice that a lot of the bad guys, they kind of get their own distinctive lightsabers. You know, Darth Maul, he had his dual-bladed lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Count Doku, he had his lightsaber with the little curve thing at the handle, which did probably didn't really affect anything. It just looked kind of cool. And then... I'm not going to say what I thought of like. What did you think it looked I like? I told you I'm not going to say. You don't let people say cussing words. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. But And then there were some other Star Wars villains that I know, like the guy from Star Wars Rebels has that one lightsaber that's got like that ring handguard. So I think it is kind of cool that they do give these bad guys their signature weapons. But I personally like it. I 
I don't see what everyone's spazzing over about. I mean, I know some people have said, oh, it looks like it'd be so impractical. Okay, well, we're talking about a, mo a science fiction movie. They so were spazzing out about it because they didn't, they didn't have a chance yet to start spazzing out over some, some, some perceived uh, slight that somebody made about the Black Widow. See, that hadn't happened yet. They needed a slight to talk about before that slight. Which slight? Oh, everybody's all upset about something involving the new uh, Avengers movie, and I haven't oh, seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't and seen I'm, it either. I, yeah, so. they look great, but Shannon doesn't like going to see superhero movies to begin with, so I haven't gotten a chance to see any of them. Well, that's, have you seen that? You haven't seen the first Avengers yet? No, I want to. It's see a good. It. I liked it. It's it's a good movie. <laughs> yes, women in tight leather costumes are always uh, awesome. Not always. Well, they they usually are, but anyways. Beatrice Arthur in a cat suit. So what about... There, I've just ruined your Saturday. <laughs> so there are a couple of new characters that they've introduced in these trailers. I believe their names are Ray, a, uh, a girl, and then there's the Finn, who is the uh, the, the black guy who is in the... We see him in the Stormtrooper. I was about to say, were you just going to call him an African-American stormtrooper? I, was gonna say. I was about to, but then I, I believe the, no, the guy he, who... No, wouldn't he be considered an uh, African imperial? Well, actually, I think the guy who portrays him, uh, John Boygoda, mm -hmm. I think, I think he's actually British. Oh, no, I was just having fun. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. it's... What what are your impressions of the two new characters that they've introduced? Um, they already have more depth to them than quite a few of the characters from the prequels. I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you about that. As I mentioned in my episode where I was talking about episode well, here's one the thing. in the trailers. They, the, 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 I'm not trying to be insensitive here, please. To, to everybody listening, uh, I, I I just don't I don't remember the name, so you kind of go with the black guy who who's who's was wearing the new stormtrooper outfit, him, right? Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, between the two uh, trailers, you can kind of see he's he's a soldier who maybe uh, based on my guesstimate, I I, I don't want to read spoilers, so I haven't. I'm almost feeling like what they're doing with him is is that um, they're bringing him in as like a you know, a uh, bad guy who's turning into the good guy kind of thing. And that's, that, there's some there's some potential depth there. And he looks like he could be a really cool character. Plus, yeah. I like the ball robot. I think he's kind of... I don't know. I think it looks too comical. R2-D2 is much cooler. No. But what about the... I... You, know, you just sat here defending episode one, <laughs> okay? Don't tell me a ball robot that doesn't say anything is too comical... When compared to Jar Jar that Binks. abomination, yes. Well, we'll talk about Jar Jar yeah, the uh, Elmo soon of here, but Star Wars. But what about the the females? What about Jar Jar song? What about the new the new female uh, that they're introducing? They don't really go into her 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 story enough for me to say anything. Yeah, it seems interesting. I don't know. I I think the John Bogota's character Finn he seems more interesting than the the Ray character because they haven't really showed her oh Adventure Time. Okay, I see, what, see what you I did, did there. there. So, are you planning on seeing episode seven? Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think it'll be pretty good. The second one coming through. 
Um, that one looked like it could be a lot of fun. There was uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca, and Luke was kind of in there for a minute, and R2-D2, and um, it looked like it, it could be pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean... I'm I... still a little disappointed that Billy D. Williams wasn't brought back, but I had heard rumors that um, health issues are keeping him away. Aww. So, that's... Take that for what it's worth. Yeah, but... On to the main topic, mm-hmm. Star Wars Episode One, an enjoyable movie. An abomination. <laughs> okay, let's go back to okay, it's an before we talk about the movie itself. Mm-hmm. One of the things I mentioned when I was talking about the the trailers and how I went on that ep- on that episode, I went off a little bit about how Star Wars Episode One had some fond memories for me, and one of the reasons is this was. Of course, remember when it came out, we were living off campus together in, in Oshkosh. So for me, it was it kind of I guess one of the reasons I I, I like that movie so much is it brings back fond memories for me. Yeah, I know when we lived off campus together, it it wasn't always all hunky dory. We had a few arguments here and Everybody there. Everybody does though. Yeah, so that's normal it's not even stuff. What I think about. But still, it was a very enjoyable time in my life mm-hmm. and. One of my main points was for me, episode one, you know, when we had the marketing campaign come out with the commercials, mm-hmm. you know, everything was looked shiny and, and new. So it made Star Wars seem fresh and exciting again. What were some of the impressions that you had when you first saw the Star Wars episode one trailers? I... I liked the lived-in feeling of the original movies. The fact that things did look dirty and used. And when I saw it look so crisp, like almost like a, like a next-generation type look, um, it made me wonder, but then at the same time, I was still looking forward to it. I didn't feel like it showed enough for me to really go, oh dear, um... But that's just what I remember. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I didn't, I wasn't bothered by the the fresh and sparkly look as opposed to the lived-in look, because remember, episode one is supposed to represent the. I remember in my last episode, I accidentally called it the Alliance. I believe it was the Republic. It was supposed to represent the Republic, this advanced civilization at the peak of peace and prosperity, whereas the the Star Wars universe of the original trilogy, that's supposed to represent a an empire that has been through, you know, decades of war and oppression. So I figured in that context it did make sense that episode one would show kind of the more sparkly, glowy, uh, fresh, you know, new appearance. Here's how I would change it, though. Because one of the things I did like about the fact that the, since the movie was set 20 to 30 years before the originals, where the originals have a very 1970s idea of science fiction, I didn't exactly feel like episodes 1, 2, and 3 had the late 90s, early 2000s I- image of it. It almost felt like a 50s look. And that was a good thing, because it showed a, it showed that it progressed that way. But at the same time... I also felt like some of the spaceships they were using looked more modern than the ones from the movies that were supposed to come after it. And if they would have found a way to make them look a little less modern, 
compared to those, I think I would have been happy. But that is a nitpick, and that mm-hmm. actually doesn't bother me. I can get to the stuff that bothers me. Well, I wonder if the reason you mentioned the 50s, and I know you're not the only one to to, to realize that or recognize mm-hmm. that, and I think one of the reasons that... It's almost like an Art Deco feel for yeah. us. And I think one of the reasons maybe they chose that, and this is again, this is coming from an American perspective. Okay, I'm going to make kind of a general statement here. I know there's some people in America today that they look back and they see the 50s as kind of this ideal time. Look, every generation is going to have its 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 problems, but to some extent, there are people who think that the 50s were one of the best times, one of the golden ages in American history. So maybe that's one of the reasons they chose to go with this more retro look is because remember in episode one, we're seeing the Republic in a golden age. So it's again, kind of this whole, uh, the style is based on what we perceive as being a golden age style where, you know, again, you didn't have as much to worry about with war and oppression as you did in the original trilogy universe. Well, you, you could argue if it was trying to mimic some of the stylization of the 40s and 50s, you know, it was everything looks pretty on the outside to show the, or to avoid showing the poop from the inside. I, see, I avoided with saying yes. the word I would have used. Whereas the, the original movies, you know, it was just like the 70s and the early 80s were, where, you know, the poop's on the outside, too. <laughs> you know, but, Dan, that was actually rather insightful. Kind of like, maybe that's why they call it the Phantom Menace, because there's this menace that we don't really see. It's kind of, you know, it's hidden, because remember, we've menace got... Because the, the, that organization, the Trade Federation, was a puppet. Yeah, and... So anyways, you were about to say something else too about how okay, so in the, you know, this the later Star Wars, the original trilogy, uh it kind of harkened to how in the 70s 80s we we didn't try to hide the poop under a layer of polish. Well, we, you couldn't. Um and I, and in a lot of cases I'm I'm talking purely in 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 the case of cinema. Um, you know, the Star Wars movies came to the end of that new Hollywood era. The, you know that the the uh, man I just lost his name like the Woody Allen and Martin Scorsese at the time he's early stuff and Coppola um, and things were shown to be more gritty in the 70s and more honest about stuff yeah um, and and I can I can see that because the you know again we look at the you know the Star Wars yeah they're pretty upfront about how there's this corrupt. Uh, government that you know the empire that is uh, opposing the heroes. So, and and I think it, it makes sense that they wouldn't choose to use imagery like that because some people say that well, science fiction often tries to predict the future. It also tends to make social commentaries, mm-hmm. and I know well, we're probably not going to talk about episode two or episode three today, but. Uh, there, I know there have been people that have paralleled some of the events of Star Wars Episode Three to some of the things that were going on in U.S. politics at the time. Oh, that's all but confirmed. <laughs> Even Lucas. I mean, Lucas hasn't come out and said it, but if you look at the way he, you know, spends his money in that particular uh, arena, yeah, yeah, probably. But well, let's take a look at 
Star Wars Episode One mm-hmm. and kind of break down scene by scene here. Now, I haven't seen the movie in a while, and I remember before we recording, uh, you mentioned you saw it a couple months ago. So it's mm-hmm. I might be misremembering th- some things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may need to correct me here. But let's start with the beginning. So opening scene, we've got. You know, the the opening crawl, we've learned that the Trade Federation is blockading the planet Naboo, and the Republic has sent two Jedi mm-hmm. to go uh, try to negotiate with the Trade Federation. The movie worked up until the Trade Federation guys opened their mouths and became... Uh, disguise racial stereotypes, and I know I, a lot of people disagree with me on that. I'm one of them. I, oh, come on, those, I'll, those, those, those fake, uh, those, those fake the ching, ching, eyes ching chong accents that they use. If I was, if I was an Asian American, I would have been pissed. I don't think that they meant, and I know we're going to talk about Jar Jar Binks and uh, Watto. I know that's one of the... Personally, I... Didn't catch the I Watto one. I'll be honest with you. Watto I know was people supposed, claimed that he was some negative stereotype of Jewish. Of, of the Jews. Because he was... You know, there's the stereotype that Jews have big noses and they're greedy. And I don't know. Like I said, my opinion is... This is my uncle and he's all German. What's your point? <laughs> but, he's Protestant. Move on! <laughs> anyways, so I don't know. I personally think that there wasn't anything intentional. I think oh, there's... I, I wouldn't say it was intentional, but it's still pretty awful. Okay. Plus, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, and this is the big part for me. In the original Star Wars movies, you had aliens. Lots of them, right? Mm-hmm. Most of them spoke their own language and got a little subtitle, and they would talk to them, and they would speak their little subtitle language. I liked that. I couldn't understand it worth a darn, because I was seven when I first saw it. But the fact that now all of a sudden all of these alien races are speaking this common tongue, it took away from that part, which I thought was something that made the original movies special. So you you would have rather seen the subtitles than have them speak the same language for convenience and make it maybe Yeah, I would have rather easier. had the... They, they're sitting there talking to each other, and I would have rather they would have been like, Graf, not flock. Well, it did work, because, I mean, you know, Chewbacca, they never subtitled anything he said. No, or Uh, R2-D2. Yeah. But some of them they did subtitle. Well, I don't remember them ever subtitling Chewie. It's always, you know, because Han, they assumed, like, Han and uh, Luke, I know, both knew the language somehow, which actually, that always confused me. They subtitled Java. Yeah. I remember that. But that always confused me. How did Luke learn how to speak Wookiee? I mean, Han Solo, we can kind of understand, because there's a bit of a history by Han, behind Han, because I believe he was an Imperial officer. They bought a couple and, of Zaphod's earworms? Eh, possibly, who knows. But, okay, we're getting off track. Oh, hey, that never happens. But So let's, uh, let's go back to the movie. So we've got Qui-Gon Jinn and a young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, Qui-Gon, Your impressions. Qui-Gon was awesome. Yes, he was. Okay, I will not argue that one bit... Um, and I, I, I'm not even one who says that the movie is a hor- horrible abomination. I'm just, in some some cases, There's I'm, I'm playing devil's like advocate about it, to Al so because yeah. I'm having fun with him. Um, <laughs> Qui-Gon was awesome, and I thought, I really did think that they did a very good casting job with... Um, Lame Nelson. With No, 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 for, for Obi-Wan. Um, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, thank you. 
personally, I was also one that said after watching those first two Star Wars movies and then heard Pierce Brosnan left the Bond series, I was one of the first people that said, Ewan McGregor should have taken over. Yeah, overall, though, I really liked the portrayal of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan by Liam. Liam. Liam, sorry. Liam and Ewan McGregor. I thought they both did really good jobs portraying those two characters. And I don't they. I thought they fed off each other perfectly. Yeah. Um, and those fight scenes were pretty good. Oh, yeah. And and I think I my own personal theory about the fight scenes is I think... Because, okay, you know, you look at the fight scenes from the original trilogy, it was very slow and very calculated movements. And, I don't know, do you think they would have been able to get away with doing those types of fight scenes in the original, or in the, the, the prequel trilogy? No, because so much of the way they had the technological capabilities for doing these amazing fast-paced fights in the prequels that they didn't have in the 1970s. Plus, um, do you think... Remember, me- at the time, Alec Guinness was in the 70s, I want to say. Yeah. And David Prowse was, I think, in his 40s or 50s, which he still could have handled it, but I don't think Alec Guinness could have, plus they were both supposed to be old masters, yeah. and maybe they can't move around as well. Well, another reason I heard that they, the, the, the fights, the lightsaber fights in the original trilogy were mm-hmm. supposed to be very slow and calculated, it was inspired by the old samurai movies, where they weren't doing all these flips and spins and stuff. Yeah, but plus you also, if you look at the other two... Then you, what you had was you had Dave, uh, you had old guy Darth Vader versus young ex- inexperienced guy Luke Skywalker. So it wasn't going to be that way. Yeah, and do you think that maybe one of the reasons they had to kind of kick up the pace of the action scene is because of the audiences of the day? I mean, do you think that the you know the young audiences of the the late '90s would have been able to accept slow, calculated, dramatic no. sword fights? Or you think they needed to see these... I, I think the Matrix changed all that. Yeah, you, you, we needed to see these... Everyone's mm-hmm. jumping and twirling and somersaulting around. Yeah, the Matrix, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which actually may have come after it. But that kind of style uh, thing... You know, Tiger, Hidden Dragon, 15, I think that was 2000, of, 2001? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. But like 15 years of Jackie Chan-style movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The audience wanted more. Yeah, so the... so okay, well, They we were s- good. Um, disappointment. This is one of the reasons I'm not happy with episode one. They took the most intriguing character and sliced him in half at the end of the film. Yeah, it would have been nice. I mean, I'm sure there's expanded universe stuff, which is now non-canon, thanks, Disney, uh, where... But don't you think it would have been more interesting to watch Darth Maul throughout those three movies than having... And I love Christopher Lee, don't get me wrong. Oh, he is awesome. But he wasn't he wasn't much of a Sith Lord. Yeah, he certainly had the tall, dark, and scary part going for him. Yeah, he also looked like he could have been Palpatine's dad. Yeah, and I, I think with, again, with, I do like Christopher Lee's portrayal of Count Doku. Again, he comes across as being the intelligent, articulate villain. But yeah, Darth Maul, we really didn't know anything about him. You could have had both of them in the movie. Christopher Lee's just not a Sith Lord. Darth Maul is a Sith, a Sith yeah. Lord that's working with him. You know, you could have played that up. Yeah, and I, I do agree Darth Maul was a very intriguing character because mm-hmm. 
we have never seen his particular race in Star Wars before. Mm -hmm. At least I don't think we have. You know, so it's like, okay, he's got these weird tattoos and stuff or markings on his face. He's got these little horns coming out of his head. Mm -hmm. You know, we've never seen that before. So, and of course, his double-bladed lightsaber was just... Tight. Awesome. Yes, it was... Shall, awesome. That's shall, all I can say about it. we get to the elephant in the room about episode one? Okay, so we get to... Okay, Anakin. Uh, we'll go get to him in a moment, because we're, we're kind of going chronologically. It's one of the multiple elements, uh, elephants in the room. So. Yes, but we'll get to the next one, because... Okay, so any particular impressions you had with the escape from the Trade Federation? Um, I personally liked that segment. I thought that... Didn't they hide in a ship? Yeah, they ended yeah. up hiding the ships to go down to the uh, the surface of Naboo. Yeah, that was okay. Okay, so they... That was good. I enjoyed that. Okay, so At they... At this point in time, outside of the fact that uh, they had the aliens sounding like... Um, Asian stereotypes. Yes, the movie was okay. The movie was good. I was happy with it from most of this. Okay, so then we get to the surface of Naboo, where they meet everyone's favorite character. This is where the movie went from an A- to a D+. <laughs> Jar Jar. The Elmo of Star Wars. See, and I always thought he was supposed to be... I think, in a way, he did serve a purpose beyond just being comic relief. I think he was supposed to... be comic to... relief, you have to be funny. Some of his stuff was kind of funny. I mean, he had more of a physical humor behind him uh, as opposed to more of a dialogue humor. Um, and I think that, that fair, you know, they, they played that part up fairly well because, hey, you know, you can do wonders with CG. Do you think Jar Jar would have worked if it was a person in a, a suit or a mask? No. It was the voice and the fact that he looked like an alien version of Shaggy Rogers. Okay. Scooby Doo. Yeah. And the voice, and the fact that <laughs> he he had the dexterity of Gilligan, and the voice, and the voice, <laughs> and that even the rest of the Gungans were annoying as hell. All of them terrible. But I don't know because he did serve in it. I think he did serve his purpose in the beginning, where uh, his. You know, again, he he leads them to the Gungan city because that's the catalyst they need because to get to the other side of Naboo. Because as I recall, the the city where Queen Amidala was was on the other side of the planet. What would have made him slightly more tolerable without changing the character is if they would have let you and McGregor slap him around for <laughs> three movies, just hit him, punch him, kick him, drop him, throw him around. Knock him through with a chair. Use the force Dudley to lift him up. And <laughs> use the force to like lift him up in the air, slam him to the ground. Lift Say, him up in the air, yeah. slam him to the ground. Every every few minutes, every time Jar Jar tries to speak, just turn around and go, shut up, Jar Jar, you're out of your element. But when they did get to the Gungan City, I you did like I did like how Ewan McGregor did his negotiation with uh, Boss Nas, I think his name mm -hmm. was. Um, I thought the little speech that Obi-Wan gave there, I thought he pulled that off perfectly. And then we're introduced to a new piece of technology as they get that little sub-thing to go to the other part of the planet. Yeah, but you got to admit, the speech patterns of the Gungans were, was just really irritating. I don't know. Misa, it, it didn't bother me. Oh, I don't know why. Terrible. It just didn't bother me. Um, 
I guess maybe because when I go to the movies, and I've mentioned this before, when I go to movies, I go to be entertained. I usually don't try to analyze things. Um, I tend to just kind of shut off my brain and watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, look, there's some symbolism there. But for the most part, I usually don't try digging deeper into anything. Oh, no, I'm going with just, that's annoying. Okay. <laughs> I was listening to it and just going, I, I I don't like listening to these people talk. This is terrible. Okay. So what did you think about the segment with the sub-journey from, I, I think they were on the opposite sides of the planet, I'm not sure, because I believe the, I was reading somewhere, it may have been on the Star Wars website, the Wikipedia, I think Naboo is supposed to be hollow, or not necessarily hollow, it doesn't have a magnetic, it doesn't have a molten core, mm-hmm. which is physically impossible, I think, but anyways. You know that George Lucas. Oh, yes. Always following geologica concepts. So what did you think of the sub-journey? I thought it was a neat idea. I think, you know, it was like, here, here's a spaceship ride, kind of like in Empire Strikes Back when they were going through the asteroid belt, except now we're underwater with a giant fish. Yeah, I liked the segment, too, because I remember there was that part where there was this big creature that was going to come eat them, and then, like, another bigger creature. Mm-hmm. So that was and, cool. And when they used the Vulcan neck pinch to knock out Jar Jar. <laughs> Thank you. Wish you would have done that seven more times. <laughs> so they finally get to Naboo, mm-hmm. and here's where we've got... Might I add this a terrible name not for Naboo. a planet? We're not Naboo, I'm sorry. They finally get to whatever city it was that, uh, that uh, Queen Amidala was in, and then they... Of course, they hack apart some battle droids, and then comes the escape, where they're, mm-hmm. uh, they get on the ship, and they're all saved by R2-D2. So, that's... Well, well let's go backwards here. Mm-hmm. It... I, I understood where they were going with all of this, but I, I did keep thinking to myself, it's got to take three to four hours for that poor queen to get dressed in the morning with all that <laughs> stuff on her face. Yep. Um, it's like, that, that's, that's got to be uncomfortable. If you were the ruler of a country, wouldn't you ban that just because, oh, this is irritating. Well, I think part of it... I am the queen of Naboo. Like the, My first edict is I wear sweatpants and t-shirts. <laughs> the rest of you wear this junk. Well, there is supposed to be some symbolism behind some of the makeup. Like, oh, they sure, have yeah. the thing, there's that little line below her lip, which that's the scar of remembrance which was supposed to make sure the queen remembered the suffering that their planet had gone through in the past. But, so we get to we get to the next phase of the journey where they escape Naboo mm-hmm. thanks to R2-D2. Again, in awesome. Their, their chrome-plated spaceship. Yes. Again, all sparkly and shiny and new. And it gets to... Wish it would have been like Jar Jar. But Misa still function! <laughs> Star screams there. <laughs> Not anymore! <laughs> <laughs> ah, but anyways. So they get to uh, Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And this is where we meet the other elephant in the room. Oh, the little boy. Yes, which... Okay, your first impressions of Jake Lloyd's portrayal of Anakin Skywalker. Most of my issues with his Anakin Skywalker are not his fault. The kid did pretty good for an 8-year-old, or a 10-year-old, or however old he was. Um, 
here were my issues. Number one, that kid was cast too young. And again, that's not his fault. That's the casting director's fault. Um, the dialogue in episode four with Obi-Wan describing his first time he's meeting Anakin when he's talking to Luke, when he gives him the lightsaber, you remember that? Mm -hmm. Makes him sound like he was older when they first met. Plus, how are you going to believe that this, this short little kid is going to end up marrying... And, uh, Someone who's like and, five years older than making, him, five, six years older than him. Making the love to this girl. That isn't going to happen. That is not Jake Lloyd's fault. That's the casting director, and I would go so far as to say that is Lucas's fault. Well, now, A lot of people didn't like the, the dialogue. They're like, oh, his dialogue was terrible. Yeah, well, whose fault is that? The kid didn't write the dialogue. Once again, that's Lucas's fault. Well, one of the things I've heard, and I know you're not the only person that caught on this thing, okay, why is Anakin Skywalker so young? Because I believe when Obi-Wan is telling Luke about his father, he's like, he was already an excellent pilot when I met him. And they're saying, well, okay, how can this little kid be an excellent pilot? He didn't say what he pilot, did he? The pod racing. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't necessarily think that that contradicts anything because... But it would have helped then if, if they would have had Obi-Wan there to see it. No, Obi Wan did. Did he see the? Well, he may have. That's no, right, because he I didn't think he see. He was there for those races. Yeah, because I think it was. Like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it, mm -hmm. but I, I think I know. Of course, Jar Jar, uh, Qui Gon, and Padme were there to watch. But yeah, I don't think Obi Wan was. No, he wasn't there. No. Now I remember he wasn't there. But he could have heard about the adventure from. Uh, from Qui Gon, or who knows? Maybe on the ship they had some sort of, like, an antenna that was picking up the race. Who knows? But there I... Were, but there were some scenes where I felt like Jake Lloyd was almost ad-libbing it a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, there was one where he was just... I don't remember a few specifically, but I thought the kid's got potential to be a decent actor. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that he had to start with the less-than-stellar... Um, role of Anakin Skywalker. Script writing of George Lucas. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I just, I don't think the whole thing about uh, Obi-Wan mentioning that when he first met Anakin, he was a gr already a skilled pilot. I don't think that's the continuity, as big of a continuity error as people like to make it No, I don't either. I, like I, I think it can think. easily be worked around. That's but, not my issue. But my issue is the way he made it sound like he was older. That's all. So speaking um, of Anakin's piloting skills. Mm -hmm. Oh, and can I just say one thing for the yes. record? For all of you Star Wars fans, first off, I am a Star Wars fan, so leave me alone. But <laughs> for all you Star Wars fans ready to, to throw torches at me about what I'm saying about George Lucas's uh, scripts, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who else said that about George Lucas's scripts? Carrie Fisher. <laughs> During some of her early lines in the first movie, she just turned at, at George and said, George! we got to change this. No one talks like this. Yes, because I, re I remember watching a documentary, and there I, I think it was Mark Hamill was actually the one. He was mentioning some dialogue he said during his audition. He's like, who talks like this? And I think uh, Carrie Fisher was saying, mm -hmm. the thing about Star Wars dialogue, you can read it, but you can't speak Say it. it. Yeah. But, well, speaking of Anakin's piloting skills. Mm -hmm. We get to see that in what I know some people call an overly long segment, the pod racing scene. Okay. The pod racing scene? Again, I've been pretty critical about this movie. 
it was okay. It was pretty good. I enjoyed the race. Except, by the end of it, I was cursing the demons who gave Greg Proops a career. <laughs> um, the two-headed shtick that was a fake ESPN broadcast on Tatooine. Unnecessary and annoying as hell. And it did have one piece of really corny dialogue. I know the, I don't care what galaxy you're from, that hurts. I almost walked out. I was just <laughs> like, that is so stupid. Did we need to add catchphrases? Well, I don't know, because I, I enjoyed the pod racing oh, scene. Oh, I enjoyed the pod racing itself. I would have just taken out the dialogue from 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 Heckle and Jekyll. You know, if if you really wanted to put that kind of thing in there, then you get two halfway decent broadcasters. Then that would have been like, oh, I see what you did there. That's uh, Summerall and Madden. That's kind of funny. You know, then I could I could deal with that, right? Without that terrible joke. Or uh, two guys who at the time were doing the the Winston Cup series. Okay. okay. You know. Okay. So, but the raises themselves were kind of yeah. I, it was a lot of CGI going back and forth, very Michael Bay-esque, before Michael Bay had a big career. And the budget. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it was a lot of a lot of this and that. It was, it was like watching the space the, the space opera version of Cannonball Run. See, right. I, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it, too. Um, I know the biggest complaint I've heard is some people just thought it went on too long, but if you have the... One of the versions of the DVD, mm -hmm. they have as a special feature, you know, extended scenes. There was an even longer version of the pod race. So they did cut it down, fortunately. Mm -hmm. So I don't uh, know. I felt like it was, I, I felt like I was watching, watching some, some people play Mario Kart 64 <laughs> with better graphics. And, and that oh, yes. bother me because I used to love that game. Played the hell out of it. Yeah. The other complaint I've, heard people have about the pod racing scene as they felt it was just a, a commercial for the pod racing video games. Yeah, but did I, I don't think those came out around the same time. I thought it was like two years or something down the road. Yeah, and I, no, I think they were released around the same time, but I don't know. That's I guess one thing that bugs me is sometimes when people instantly think any work of fiction that happens to have a toy line associated with it they're always saying, oh, that's just a commercial for the toys. Again, Transformers has been accused of this all the time where, you know, all those episodes were basically just 30-minute long or actually like 20-something. In the defense like of the people who say that, the, the, the cartoon was made after the toys were made. It was like, we have these toys. Let's make a cartoon. Yeah. You know, in that case, I think there's a decent argument. And I know it's something that whenever you've got any movie franchise where there's marketing potential like action figures, toys, video games. You know, they're going to well these movie makers they're in it to make money. So yeah, they're going to take those opportunities to uh to do things like, you know, promote toy lines and stuff. I don't necessarily think that a movie or a TV show that happens to have a toy line or games associated with it is instantly a just a, nothing but a commercial. Hey, how, can I offend a whole uh, a whole other group of your uh, listeners? I don't and, know. <laughs> and, and again, and again, I'm saying this as a, as a somebody who enjoyed this particular series. I think most of the people who complained about the Star Wars toys were a bunch of butthurt Trekkies because nobody bought the Star Trek toys. <laughs> <laughs> but not. So as after the pod race, 
of course, they're going to start escaping from Tatooine. And this is where we see first get a chance to see Darth Maul in action. What was your impression? I told you what I thought of Darth Maul. Mind blown. Best, best part of the series. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ray Park. He, I mean, he and you know, because he is a highly skilled martial artist. He's studied a few different martial arts. I believe he's also studied gymnastics, gymnastics yes. and, and sword fighting. Yes. So, yeah, he he didn't have to be trained how to do some of those moves. He could actually do them, and that really... And the thing was, it's in that fur further on in that scene when he was fighting Anakin and Qui-Gon. Um, um, Obi-Wan and... Yeah, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, sorry. He, he choreographed that. He trained those guys. Yeah, and so. he was... Yeah, and that's maybe one of the other reasons why, you know, as you're saying, it would have been nice to see Darth Maul not get killed off in the first movie because how awesome would it have been to see more of Ray Park. Um, now, I forgot the name of the guy who did a, some of the other fight coordinating scenes. I I would probably recognize the name if I heard it, because I remember one of the special features on the Episode One DVD they had an interview with him who was talking about, again, because he helped with some of the sword fight scenes, that, mm -hmm. you know, they were trying to show the prime of the Jedi because, you know, this is when the Jedi were more active. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it would make more sense. They would be able to put these flashy fight scenes on. But, yeah, I enjoyed that part, and I did like the escape from Tatooine. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course, there was a scene where Anakin first meets with Obi-Wan, and this is the first time they actually meet face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. Okay, so from here we get to Alderaan. No, not Alderaan. Coruscant. Coruscant, yes, thank you. So we get Anakin to the Jedi Temple. Mm -hmm. For some reason, they brought Jar Jar with them. <laughs> they did that day because they <laughs> hate us. <laughs> Lucas is like, I'm sick of my reputation. I don't want to be known as the guy who made some great movies. Where's that thing? <laughs> Bring him in here, thing. So what was your opinion of the Jedi Temple scene where they were testing Anakin? Uh, he introduced us to the second best character from the prequels. Mace Windu? <laughs> Samuel L. Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> Bad Mother Jedi. Which, do you know why they he decided to have the, the purple lightsaber blade, or why they why they did that? Uh, I, no, I don't. The in-movie and in-universe reason that Mace Windu has the, the purple lightsaber blade is, I believe he either saved some a group of people or a race from extinction or some great tragedy, and he was given this special crystal for his lightsaber, which happened to produce a purple beam. And I believe the actual real reason is Samuel L. Jackson wanted his character to be distinctive. He want because most of the the Jedi in Revenge of the Sith, you know, they were using either blue or green green lightsaber blades. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to stand out, so that was kind of his little way of standing out, is give me a purple lightsaber blade. Nobody used yellow or orange, did they? Not in the movies. If you've ever played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, mm -hmm. they do go into the the reason for the colors of the blades. In Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 1, uh, when your character is brought to Dantooine to be trained as a Jedi, you are given three choices. Um, you have to choose whether you want to join the Jedi Guardians 
the Sentinels, or the Counselors. The Jedi Guardians, they get the Blue Blades. They're the ones who focus mostly on lightsaber combat. The Jedi Counselors get the Green Blades, and they focus mostly on use of the Force. And then the uh, Jedi Sentinels, they're the ones with the Yellow Blades, and they're kind of the in-between where they're, they don't, they're not as good as lightsaber combat as the Guardians are, and they're not as good as with the Force as the Consulos are. So they're kind of that well-balanced, you could say. But yeah, so the so we get to the Coruscant. And now in the original version, because I know they re, they're re-releasing them, did they use, they use the puppet in the original version? Because I, I know one of the things that people are up in arms about is I guess they're releasing, they're re-releasing the the prequel trilogy and they're replacing Yoda with a CGI instead of using the traditional puppet, which I think is a bad move. I, I, I don't like when they change movies after the fact. That, yeah. That's my thing. I don't care what it is. Yeah, because I know uh, another thing that people were really up in arms about is when at the end of Return of the Jedi, they replaced, I forgot the guy's name who originally portrayed him, but they were, they replaced him with Hayden Christensen. And I know, I mean, I can understand how they would do that for the people who grew up on the trilogies, the you know, the trilogy movies. But yeah, for those of us who are used to seeing, who saw it originally in the movie theater, yeah, it's like, okay, come on. Well, I also really felt like that, that was one of the errors I felt they made in uh, Return of the Jedi was... You know, they kind of hose David Prowse out of the chance to be the voice and all of this other stuff. They could have at, <laughs> late, at least let him, you know, well, you be know what, the Gary, head. You and, know what? Yeah, that is true. They could have at least did that part. Given but the day, yeah, but you know on, why? Uh, you know what Carrie Fisher used to call uh, David Prowse? Hmm. Darth Farm Boy. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the behind-the-scenes footage yeah. with uh, when they had... He was a British actor. Yeah, and I guess he had more of like, I think, I forgot the name of the accent. I've heard it once, but I guess like his, the accent he had was usually associated more with like, you know, the country people. So, so where were we? Going back to Star Wars Episode One, um, Darth, oh yeah, Jedi Temple. And from there we go back to Naboo. I still think it's a terrible name for a planet. <laughs> yes, I know. So we've got kind of a three-way battle going here for the scene's uh, final finale. So we've got, on one front, you've got the Gungan, or actually four. There's four separate battles going on at once. You've got the Gungans versus the battle droids. You've got, of course, Darth Maul with his epic lightsaber duel against uh, against Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Mm -hmm. You've got Queen Amidala trying to break back into the fortress into her, her palace. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the star fighting or the of course the the yeah. I lost my train of thought. Starships flying around. Pew 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 in outer space. Did you think it was a little too chaotic and a little too confusing or do you like how they portrayed that where um they had these battles going on at once and everything looked they brought it where everything looked the worst at the same time. I didn't mind that they did all of them at the same time. I actually kind of liked that. It reminded me a little bit of the end of Jedi. Yeah. But 
my issue is always that the, the plot with the Trade Federation and the blockade, I never really felt like it, it got enough of a hold in the audience for it to really seem like that big of a thing. I, I felt like they could have built it up a little bit more to make this battle that was all chaotic and crazy seem more memorable. Yeah. You know, it it's like the, the actual plot of the movie was yeah. undersold to make way for, look, this is going to be Darth Vader. Look, this is going to be Darth Vader's wife. Look, this is going to be Alec Guinness. <laughs> yes, eventually. You know. So you thought they should have did more with the Trade Federation after the episode one was done? I, I don't think they really did no, anything with I, the I Trade Federation after. No, they were still around. They were part of Do Count Dooku's little thing. But I thought they should have made oh, it yeah, seem right. more dire. I think they should have built up what was going on more than they actually did. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, it was more of a, look, it's this guy, look, it's that guy, look, that's going to be the Emperor. A spoiler mm -hmm. alert that no one needs, because we yeah. all know. But yeah, I mean, I like, personally, I liked how they did do the four battles at once, because mm -hmm. I don't think there's, because again, you'll notice that everything looked the worst for them, at the same time, because with the Gungans, I believe their uh, their their shielding broke, so they were no longer protected from the the laser fire from the battle droids. And of course, with the Jedi duel, this is when um, Obi Wan was trapped behind that Force wall, and this and then Qui Gon, of course, had been killed. Anakin was Didn't stuck that on... seem a little bit Super Mario to you? How's that? Remember, you play Super Mario Brothers, you'd be in the castle heading for King Koopa, and there would be these um, these these fireball arms. Oh, yes. Way, and you'd have to sit and wait and jump just right. And it felt like the same thing with those wall, those those shield walls things. Okay, that's an interesting way, I guess. But it's but, like, uh... oh, kind of like playing a video game. But, okay. <laughs> So okay, so we didn't have... bother me. It was just something my eyes noticed. Okay, so while Qui Gon was dying, because I believe he got another line or two of dialogue in um, after the duel was done, and then of course we had Anakin Skywalker, who was uh, on the ship on the the space station. His ship was overheating, and then little known um, little known fact about that 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 thing when they show Qui Gon dying, um, they cut out what was supposed to be his final words. I didn't hunt them down. I didn't find them, and I didn't kill them. <laughs> you see what I did there? From that... Uh, never mind. Let's okay. keep going. Okay. And then, in the, as I recall, in the scene with uh, Padme's team, they were surrounded, um, and they were told to drop their weapons. And then, uh, I believe Anakin is the one that gets everything going again, because he gets his ship activated. Of course, he blows up the... The space station, which causes all the the battle droids on the surface to shut down, and then of course Obi Wan comes back. He kills Darth Maul, and Padme and her team does something that does something else. I can't remember. <laughs> That's my other thing. Am I? And, and I know I, I mentioned it four times already with Naboo being a stupid name for a planet. A lot of the names in the prequels are pretty stupid. Padme. Terrible name. 
They could have came up with something better than that. Her last name wasn't too bad, but for I don't know. I terrible. the names didn't really bother me. Dooku. Dooku. What? Are you gonna say it sounds like a number two, like Deuce? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Count Deuce. And I'm not the first to say that. Count Dooku. <laughs> I that didn't occur to me. So really, no, it didn't. Really, but we're still on episode one. Okay. Not not at, we're not we haven't moved to episode two yet. So we come to the ending. Of course, Anakin is going to be trained as a Jedi, and uh, they're cremating Qui Gon Jing Jin, and that's when we get the line, you know, two there always are a master and apprentice, and it leaves us. You know, they, they Yoda leaves us wondering, or no, it was Win, Mace Windu leaves us wondering, but which one did we get? The Master or the Apprentice? Now, how do you, how do you think about that ending? Do you think it was... I, I, first off, I think it ruined the chance to have a whole really cool thing of, like, hundreds of Sith fighting hundreds of Jedi. Yeah. Well, it was the <sighs> rule of... Okay, do you know what the rule of two is? I've... Um... No cuts, no butts, no coconuts. Okay, let me go back. I thought you were a Star Wars fan. Never, I didn't, I, okay, I, I you didn't play did. the video games. Okay, I never that's really right. read the EU. I liked the movies. Okay, same here, but I had toys. Okay, here's what they meant when they said, for those who may not know, uh, this is what they meant when they said, okay, there's always a master and always an apprentice. Early on, in the early years of the Old Republic, the Sith were a more organized faction, but Darth Bane is the one who came up with the Rule of Two, because the Sith had pretty much been hunted to extinction by the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So, in order, and the reason that the Sith fell, a lot of it had to do with infighting and power struggles. So, the Rule of Two was that there always has to be only two Sith, the Master and the Apprentice. Right. In other words, one to represent power and the other to crave it. So that's why they decided to keep it to just the two Sith. So there could have been more if you really want. There could have been. I mean, I think in the Clone Wars cartoons, which I really didn't watch a lot of them, I think there may have been a few other Sith hanging around, but... Well, you know Darth Bane. This I do know. He was killed by the Jedi, uh, uh, Bruce Oweno. But um bump I gotta That's find right. some. Bad I gotta joke. find some cricket sound effect to put in there. I'll be supplying. I'll bad give you jokes. an. I'll give you an A for effort. Oh, you usually supply bad jokes in my show and your own show too. No, but that's why we have John. Okay, so overall, like I said, I found Star Wars Episode One to be an enjoyable movie. Yeah, it did have a few moments. Maybe the pod racing scene was a little over long, but other than that, enjoyable. Um. Yeah, Anakin's performance, some of his lines did get a little annoying, but overall, like I said, I enjoyed Episode 1, and I personally think that it gets more hate than it should. Alright. No. It gets more it, hate than it deserves. No. Um, maybe a little bit more, but here's my thing. I, 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 I disagree with you. Um, I would maybe give this movie a C-, and it has nothing to do with necessarily the actors. It has everything to do with George Lucas is a terrible director. It has everything to do with t George Lucas can't write his way out of a bag. Um, 
You know, a lot of people are saying, well, how so can you say words, that? My... Things, movies were so great. Yeah. Well, you know what? Which one is the one everybody says is the best one? You, Empire, you say, yeah, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back, Back or the original. directed that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say the, the, the second one was, or the third one wasn't even that bad outside of Ewoks. Uh, there was Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> and the Empire will be defeated by Ewoks. Sorry, robot chicken reference. Yeah. You know, if you're just going to make stuff up, I'm just <laughs> You're not going to take this seriously. I mean, but... But that's my thing. Oh, and that's the other thing. And I, this is... I, I feel like this is a very valid argument as an issue of why the movie was weak. The Force used to be this really cool thing. Oh, yes. We now forgot they, to Yes, yes. They this. turned it into a virus. Thank you. Yes. That was lame. And the force, that's just caused by bacteria in your blood. Yeah, I know that's another thing. I will agree with that you on that. That was dumb as hell. I liked it when the force was the result of... I, I've heard some people compare it to Taoism, mm. where you know the Tao is this energy that flows through all living things. So I liked it when the force was... Yeah, it was this mysterious power source you could tap into. Um, as opposed to, oh yeah, stuff in your blood. But I suppose there, I've, you could also argue, well, is a connection to the Force caused by the midichlorians, or are midichlorians evidence of a connection to the Force? I think it's all stupid. <laughs> I think it's stupid. It was better when it was when it was fake uh, kung fu Shaolin monk mystic stuff. It yeah, was way that, cooler. I, I way cooler. And you know what? They also missed out on a couple of opportunities. They could have made a Jedi out of David Carradine from Kung Fu while we're at it. <laughs> Christopher Lambert would have been a cool Jedi. Back at that time, he was he still was young enough where he could have done it. Even uh, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Come on. Yeah, an Expendables version. A Jedi, <laughs> Expendables, Jedi Expendables. And you get these guys that are that are less of the big, beefy, bulky guys like Stallone and whatnot. That would have been cool. Yeah. Um, first off, these are the changes I would have made. Number one, Jar Jar never would have existed. Um, I, would have, I would have still had maybe some sort of a group of people to give him the boat and all of that other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe somebody less annoying with a less uh, horrible voice. While we're at it, I would have changed a lot of those little, you know, ethnic accent voices to either uh, separate languages or... How about we make them all Midwestern accents because no one's offended by a mis- Midwestern accent. I'm offended by you saying <laughs> um, I, I, I really think they would have been better off just starting the, 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 these films with Hayden Christensen because then the shock between one and two of, oh my god... What is, happened? Yeah, yeah, versus what happened to, to What's-Her-Face. It wouldn't have been so seriously... <laughs> Yeah, um, and that, I will agree, that's one change I, I could see them making. Mm-hmm. Who knows, maybe Disney will uh, remake Episode 1 because... Oh, don't, or the don't prequel give them these ideas. Oh, come on, you know, yeah, Hollywood has to remake everything nowadays, yeah. eventually. Like, one of the things... To do. Yeah, one of the things that I hate, like, okay, Star Wars, or not Star Wars, Spider-Man, you know, they're coming, they're, I think they're finishing up the second, a, a trilogy of... Spider-Man movies, and then they've actually got plans for a new reboot trilogy of Spider-Man in a few years. Come on, I'm sorry. How many times do we have to see Peter Parker get bitten by a radioactive spider? 
seven, apparently. Yes, apparently, but... Um, but, yeah, I would have changed that. The midichlorian's gone. Yeah, because um, I, I, I agree with you. I I liked the Force better when it was this mysterious, mm -hmm. you know, energy, semi-mystical religion, as you said, this, like, uh, mystical Shaolin monk stuff, as opposed to, oh, you happen to have lots of midichlorians in your blood. But And then... Uh, Oh man, what else would I have changed? Uh, the, 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 get Greg Proops out of the pod racing scene. Boom, he's got to go. He's got to go. Um, now, if you did change it where Anakin Skywalker was older, do you think would you would still be a good idea to incorporate the pod racing scene? Sure, why not? I don't know. I think the pod racing scene works best with Anakin as young because remember. Uh, they even they say it's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Anakin Skywalker being such a young child who's able to do this, it does highlight his skill and the potential he has, but it also, I think, makes you hate Waddle all the more. It's like, okay, you're taking this, like, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, whatever, you're taking this young kid and you're putting them into an extremely dangerous situation so you can make money. It makes Waddle all the more vile, some of a character. So I can well, see that, but um, I don't know. Like I said, I just think I think the pod racing scene worked better with a, a young Anakin. I would have I would have had somebody come in to rewrite the script. Um, somebody with a little more, uh, you know, I can't even get to it. Just a better script writer. Yeah. While we're at it, I would have brought in a real director. Yeah, and, and make Darth Maul live. And Darth Maul, Maul would have lived. Jar Jar Binks would have died. <laughs> or maybe not die, but... Died. I don't know, because I, I think he does play a few key roles, but he didn't have to be on Tatooine. He could have... They could have left him there, and... They could have kept him on the ship. Yeah. Or, like I said, I think they should have left Jar Jar on Tatooine, but that's... Or not on Tatooine, on... Uh, they should have... They shouldn't have taken him to Tatooine. I'm I think they... J.J. Abrams kills him off. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't think they've ever firmly established whether no, Jar Jar was... survives the, uh, the, the collapse of the Republic or not. Well, he was in the funeral. Yeah, but they never... Because remember, after the funeral, that's mm. when... You know, of course, the 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 Republic is going to start to collapse. And if you've ever played Star Wars Battlefront Two, mm -hmm. probably not. No. Well, because uh, in the at the in one of the campaign modes in that game, the story mode, they imply that basically all the senators from the Republic, mm -hmm. um, after the Empire starting to rise, the uh, all the senators were essentially rounded up and killed. I've played two. Two Star Wars video games in my life. Two. Mm -hmm. Two. I played Shadows of the Empire, where um, now the EU is no more. I find that disappointing because it was mm -hmm. actually a very good story. It took place between four and five. Dash Rendar fighting IG 88, probably the hardest character to, to kill. Mm -hmm. And then I played uh, Empire Strikes Back. Now you I never played the original? Empire Strikes Back. No, the original Star Wars arcade game when you when you're in the Tie Fighter, or not the Tie Fighter. Oh no, the, I, did uh, X -Wing? Play, I did play X Wing and Tie Fighter. Yes, but, okay, three. Okay. Oh no, and then the other one was Empire Strikes Back, made by 
Parker Brothers for the, for the Atari, Atari 2600, which was nothing more than you in the little rogue ship flying and shooting down the snow speeder. Yep. Well, I yeah, because if you ever have a chance, if you ever get an Xbox someday, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic one and two are both very good games, and Star Wars Battlefront. I'm usually not into the you know strategy military type games, mm-hmm. but I had a lot of fun with uh, with Battlefront and. Jedi Knight Jedi Academy was another good game as well. I think that they should make a they should make a a, a, a game that follows the plot of all nine of the movies when they finish this next sequence. But oh yes, like, and the Lego Star Wars. Like I played Legos, Lego Star much Wars. Much like Lego Star Wars, which I've watched and never played. Um, much like Lego Star Wars. Lego Star Wars is good. Be, this 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 game I would make would be played like the the characters would be the action figures. So, like, you are in the episode four part, and you are the 1977. The uh, ones with uh, no articulation except yes, for Luke like the Skywalker shoulders, the neck, and, and the, the little lightsaber shoots out of his arm. Well, the problem I is, I would play the hell out of that game. That would be interesting. The problem is if they did it, if they did it with the articulation, everyone would look like they were goose stepping, and people would accuse it of being sympathetic to Nazis. Probably. Well, they would. They can't be that stupid. Yes, they are. They are that <laughs> Oh, but yeah, that would be kind of cool. Okay, the little, you know, hold up the arm. Pew! The little lightsaber that's like, you know, a foot long pops out. <laughs> oh, that was the worst part about those. It was like Darth Vader's, this big formidable badass with this giant red lightsaber in the first movie. You get the toy all excited. You put the little <laughs> lightsaber, and it's like finding out some. It's, it's, it's finding out your favorite rock star stuffs his pants. <laughs> It's like, oh, that's disappointing. But well, well, well now we know how Amidala felt. Yes. Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh! Hi up, zing. Zing, waddle, 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 waddle. <laughs> oh, that was you, funny. You can send, you can send your complaints to hell, cause that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've talked this topic enough for now. So, Dan, thank you for joining me and. Providing my, our, my kind of a counterpoint to how I really liked episode one, and well, you didn't really hate it. No, you just, I don't hate it. That's I the think, worst part. I think you were providing some very good counterpoints. I, I think that you can sit down and you can enjoy the movie for what it is, but there are parts of it that are cringeworthy. I didn't think that. Like there are people who are like, oh, the prequels ruined Star Wars. Uh, the, the, they don't exist. I'm going to pretend they never happened. No, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I. I, they were okay. It was ne- some of the stuff in the prequels was necessary. You want to talk about we, a, we a, had to see that transformation of Anakin Skywalker from this innocent child to the the good guy to the war hero to finally falling to the dark side. You know, and I I you know people said the same thing about the Lord of the Rings movies. They're like, oh, they ruined the books for me. No, no, they didn't. They actually did okay. Just like Michael Bay did not ruin Transformers for me. No, that is true. <laughs> and we could talk about that in another time. Yes. But I will say, if you're going to talk about a prequel that disappointed to the point of almost ruining the source material, it was not the Star Wars prequels. It was the Hobbit movies. Sorry. I, I've only seen the one, so... They... Yeah, I've only seen Desolation of Smog. We actually saw that with our families together. Mm, that hurt. That movie hurt. Yeah. But um, well, and I wanted to like it. And well, I, it's not that I. It's like I would. I think I'd have liked it more if they would have stuck to the plot, or if I could ignore the book. 
but I, I have problems with it because the Lord of the Rings books I enjoyed thoroughly, but The Hobbit held this special place from when I was in the fourth grade yeah. sitting and reading it that there's there's that to it. Yeah, I remember you were saying in one of your episodes of Radio Free Borderlands where you were talking about you know the the mystery and magic of awe of mm-hmm. you know D and D in these early days and mm-hmm. how yeah you used to just sometimes sit down for a weekend and you know Saturday morning start reading The Hobbit and finishing on you know yeah. Sunday night. It was like when I initially heard there were rumors that they were going to make a uh, a Voltron movie, and when I read what they wanted to do with it, I am so glad they didn't make it. Um, uh oh, how bad? I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about him in this case because at least he had the at least he had the desire to make the movie because uh, I guess Pharrell Williams wanted to be a producer of some sort. You know mm-hmm. who he is, right? Happy song. Not offhand, no. Um, happy that guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can't. Um, but the fact that they were gonna move they it's they were supposedly gonna move the the way the where Voltron is from the Planet Air's Planet Doom stuff and and have him in New York City. Okay, yeah, that would like, be wrong. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know what's gonna happen if they ever do release a Voltron movie, uh, if it's like a live action, everyone's gonna complain. Oh, it's just gonna be a CGI fest. It's gonna be made by Michael Bain because it <laughs> explodes Tron. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, again, Dan, you can catch him on Radio Free Borderlands. You are home for unfiltered D&D talk. And, Sexy unfiltered D&D talk. Yes, and you can also find me at POIGamestudio.com and visit Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. If you have any comments, you can either contact me through the website or my Facebook page. And if you want to contact Dan, of course, you can catch him on his Radio Free Borderlands page on Facebook. So, thanks for joining us. Have a good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.